I have been to many a local con since I've been down in the Ozarks. Some of them haunt my nightmares to this very day. Not included in that list of infamy is Moon City Con, which is decidedly the best I've ever attended, and I'm so excited to attend this very year. So cheers to Rick Bagwell and the Moon City Con. Uh, I'm very excited to come back. hey Thanks for coming. Woohoo! Hey, everybody. I'm Caleb. I'm a little drunk. And... This is the Mix 6 Podcast. You're also Spencer. Sure, definitely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's in there. Some people do call me that. Um, well, you've just fucked up the whole intro, but Love I'll it. give it a shot. But guess uh, what? We've got a guest today, and we, that's more important. Yeah, all right. Rick, Rick introduce yourself. <laughs> Hi, my name is Rick. I'm one of the organizers of Moon City Con, 417 Gamers, and a member of the Bananana Podcast. Bingo. Uh, we've been friends of the Bananana Podcast for a while. I was on an episode like a year ago, maybe. I don't remember anymore. Time has no meaning. Uh, and Rick has been running the 417 Gamer Group, which is one of the, if not the largest gamer group in the region. And as Caleb alluded to in the cheers, is also kind of the leading voice for the Moon City Con, which in this pre-party, we're going to talk about our attendance there. In September of 2019, we'll be at Moon City Con for three days. We've got a table. We'll be doing Red Market stuff. We'll be doing Party Foul stuff. Ross is probably going to run Games of Ruin if he can find some people to do it. But more importantly, we're going to be there for three days of board gaming. So Rick, tell us more about Moon City Con. All right. Moon City Con is a board gaming tabletop convention, uh, Springfield, Missouri, coming back to the Oasis Convention Center. Hell yeah. Spring, uh, September 6th, 7th, and 8th. Uh, we're going to have all three days filled with games, tournaments. We're going to have play and wins, door prizes. We've got about, uh, about 13 clubs and vendors. We'll have our vendor area. Um, and we're also, we've got our game planning page up on Board Game Geek. So if you're up there, look, Moon City Con 2019. Yes. You have a huge list of stuff going on. You gave away a ton of games last year, right? Yep. And your board game library, for being a local convention in particular, is massive. How many titles did you have in that board game library last year? Uh, we had just about 400 last year, and we're going to increase it closer to 500 this year. Good Lord. So last year, it was my collection and Catherine's, and we're more Euro fans. Right. And then... So we listened to our attendees, and we're like, well, well we're, where's the Maritrash? And Ben, Ben Ennis, who is also one of the organizers, right. also on the... Not uh, Safe for Worker Placement podcast. Thank mm-hmm. you. Yep. He is more of the Maritrash fan. Right. He likes other stuff, too. Yeah. But he you know, leans more to the Maritrash style. So he's going to bring some of his library out, too, so we can round out that area. That's awesome. That's so awesome. Uh, really and truly one of the best cons I've attended. I know that Caleb and Ross felt similarly after we were there last year. So excited to have you on to talk about the con, to talk about board games, etc. But, Rick, you've you've listened to the Mix 6 before. You know how this works. Uh, on each one of our episodes, we rate our beers as we move through our segments on a 1 to 5 scale. 1 is terrible. 5 is phenomenal. And, Caleb, for this week, now that we are sadly, sound effect, out of food month. How long are you going to keep mourning food month? What month is, is there it currently? another month? Is it it's, afterwards? It's June. Yeah, it's still June. I feel strongly that I will mourn food month until what kind we of get sound back effect? to food just, month. Just for academic uh, curiosity, what sound effect? The same we... one I suggested last time. I don't remember. Any, any sad sound effect on this show should be when you get a bid wrong on the prices right. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
All right. So should and, we play that at your funeral then? Just, definitely. Just <laughs> over and over again <laughs> as you're being as lowered we, in. There. Right. Here, actually, here's, here's what I really want you guys to do. I want everyone to roast me, but I want all of the jokes to be bad. So when none of them land, then just over and over again for two hours. It's bump bump now. You want an Andy Kaufman funeral? Yeah, maybe a little bit. All right. Frankly, I don't want any funerals. If we're being honest, you might not be gone. Right. Exactly. And then I come out at the end. It's a real like. It's a. It's a Jenna from Thirty Rock type thing. Like. Sorry, can't do it. See you, bitches. And then I jump out and I do a dance. Maybe I do a Drew Carey bit just to carry through the Price is Right theme. I don't know. Caleb, what's our rating system this episode? Oh, Jesus. Well, Rick, first off, I want to say you're welcome because Spencer's firing at all cylinders really right am. now. You've, really am. you've gotten here for peak performance of the Mix 6 The podcast. number of beers I have had is more than four. <laughs> yeah. Less than 15. <laughs> well, a lot of, lot of like episode ahead of us. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. That's right. Take a shot. Uh, anyway, I went with philosophers, and yeah, uh, since we are playing board games and talking about board games, I went with philosophers I want to play a board game with. Love it. So uh, we're going to rate our beers on one to five. I'm going to rate these philosophers from one to five, one being a philosopher I do not want to play a board game with, right. five being, yes, sign me up today, I am there. Uh, so a one, a beer I do not want to drink, and a philosopher I don't want to play a board game with, is going to be Wittgenstein. Yeah, so first horrible. off, he a weirdo. Yeah. He's super weird, living in the woods, talking about Austrian language theory. Also, when the guy is skeptical of the concept of language, yep. can you imagine the rules lawyer? Oh, my God. Can you imagine how many times you would have to consult that rule book? Ugh. Way too much. Ugh. Couldn't do it. Uh, I would have to be gone. I couldn't do that one. I would concede. No, this is this is this is a good pick. Sometimes, yes. sometimes you make bad picks. This is a good pick. Thank Caleb. you. You're Thank welcome. You. Yeah, uh, I, I want you to know that. Number two philosopher, I still probably wouldn't want to play a board game with Diogenes. All right, <laughs> he's real fucking cool. Old but school. as anybody who's ever been to a con before should know hygiene is super fucking important. And he lives in a bathtub in the street of Greece. So he's probably going to smell real, real bad. And like coolness can only get so far when you smell real, real bad. And probably not Diogenes. Now, my minimum level, my minimum level beer and my minimum level philosopher, I would play a board game with uh, Derrida because... He's going to do the language shit, but he does like to party. Like, the 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 stories of Derrida coming to do lectures at your place are legend. Uh, I could hang out with Derrida. Uh, I don't think he'd get too rules lawyery he on me. just yeah. seems unbearable. Like, as <laughs> he a is human, French. Right. Yeah, I mean, the so, whole yeah. thing just feels... Yeah. So he's going to know a lot of good Euro games. Uh, like he's is he? A, he's got he access the to the market. There it is. so much? <laughs> yeah. Can you imagine playing terraforming? He had the attention span to like blow up the concept of mental illness while partying so much. Does I this think bring he can handle. No, yeah. yeah. Can you imagine playing terraforming Mars with that man? I mean, that's a ten-minute lead time at best before right. you flip a table. It's a three. I'm okay. not saying it's a perfect experience. Right. I'm saying that you're going to get as much as you lose. Now, All did right? he do that while partying or in his drunk epiphanies that you guys talked about in a previous episode? That's yeah, right. That's yeah. right. That's true. Yeah, it because be. because if it was one, not the other, playing with him will not be fun him thinking about the playing maybe where the real playing happens Mm. think about that speaking of philosophy uh speaking of uh so four is going to be kind of my meta pick where i'm really into this beer i really want to play with this Catherine elgin because she's going to talk about 
the, she's going to be psyched out of her mind about games as education as idea. Also, she's going to be really excited about games as something that is cognitively valuable. So you're going to get what I really enjoy in board gaming, which is the meta discussion of the board game as a entry into the realm of board games. I mean, we're kind of into that. So we're not going to just talk about it as a game that we played. We're going to talk about it in the larger context of games. I, I need to offer and a, I'm wrinkle, into that. a wrinkle here, which is I think that might be interesting as game one. But I think by game four, I'd kind of get like a, yeah, 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 take your turn. Like I feel like that's got. <laughs> I, I don't think she would me. like be so into it. She couldn't play. Though. Okay. Okay. Like, okay. Okay. And if we're talking about, we can't have a meta discussion about the game. We can't do this podcast. So. All right, but if you're wrong, you get kicked out with her. All right, Boom. All right, fair enough. Fair Boom. enough. Fair enough. Okay. Gauntlet. All right. Five. You can't disagree with five, or I will fight you. It's going to be Donna Haraway, the author of the Cyborg Manifesto. App-driven games. She's into it. War games, war's a cyborg orgy. She's into it. Cyberpunk? Are you kidding me? She fucking invented it. Uh, if you're gonna get the environmental shop, you know what has a low carbon footprint? Board gaming compared to a lot of other activities. Well, She's gonna be cool with it. Finally, she has renamed our historical epoch the Cthulhu Zine. So Man, she might already be a gamer. Feels like, like pandering. She's, uh, she's already kind of in there. So I'm gonna say Donna Haraway four or five. I I disagree with this pick. Well, you're full of shit. I honor you. No one listens to your opinion. I honor (laughs) you. Wow. I listen to this, Spencer. Thank you, Ross. I don't think we can go around here discounting opinions or we're all screwed. Um, (laughs) Just as a point of harmony in discourse. Uh, But I respect your right to say it, and so I will move on from that. On that note, we're going to grab some beer, and we'll be right back to use Caleb's deeply flawed system to evaluate some beers. So, Rick, as our esteemed guest, you get first drink. What are you drinking? I am drinking Hefe Wedge from Wolf's Ridge Brewing Company out of Columbus, Ohio. Lots of Ohio yes. beers. Yeah, we have a lot it of is Ohio a beers. fruited Hefeweizen, uh, 5.2% and 12 IBUs. I think, uh, I think a fruited Hefeweizen is something I could get into. Having said that, when we were in Columbus, I believe you drank a pineapple Hefeweizen. And it was the most disgusting thing I've and ever had in my life. And it was one of the worst beers I've ever tasted. Yes. And so I say that and then immediately wonder, We is were also true? at one of the worst bars I've ever seen. Really horrible. Offensive to the eye. Uh-oh. Rick looks skeptical, maybe angry. How do we feel about this beer, Rick? Would we uh, say we like it? That's a Diogenes. Oh, that's a two. Yeah. Mm, that's, yeah. A, that's a dirty Greek bathtub is what that is. Yeah, I it's cool to hang out with if it smells bad. And for saying it's a fruited Hefeweizen, I'm not getting a lot of fruit. I'm just getting overpowered wheat and a fizz to it. Ooh. And unless you're advertising your uh, nitro beer, you. I really don't want fizz to my beer. I'm going to I'm going to get on that shit and just see what it Yeah, no fruit on the nose. Just all all wheat there. Well, they said it twice on the label, so maybe they're hoping you'll sort of hallucinate it. <laughs> the uh, power of suggestion. <laughs> yeah. Fruit. It's the Lorcoy of fruited beers. <laughs> Just yelling at the back. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's not particularly good. I don't. I don't really love that beer. I don't. I would it. give it a three. It's. Well, I mean, I would drink it, but a minute ago you said Americans are too addicted to AC, so you've lost all credibility in your in your in your. Uh, opportunity it's not to a one, so things. I'm not going to drink it. Right. As I get interesting. That, as I get that pass. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I don't need more twos in my life. No, I'll tell you that much. Yeah, that's where it belongs for me. It's got a little skunk to it, and I don't know what that is. It's like it's like wheat skunk fizz, is how I would describe that. It almost tastes like potpourri on the finish. Yes. 
It's yeah. like they took the, what, the peels. What you want in a beer. Then but... they dried them out. Right. Lost them in the potpourri and then threw them in the last minute. <laughs> Here's the orange. Definitely, maybe. Um, hey, we're into dissecting our fun. Caleb, what are we talking about? Uh, we're going to talk about what James Burns suggests, another alpha gamer uh, in the board game space from my few interactions with him. James Burns the man knows know more, what he's talking about. James Burns and Darren Pretty. Yeah. I would have to say, of all of our listeners... Um, James Burns and Darren Pretty, Darren Pretty may be like, uh, like the the board game references. I mean, Rick, you're definitely up there. Don't get me wrong, but there's a depth there that honestly scares me a little bit. I think Taker and the Aggregate, our listeners, know way more about everything than us. So for sure, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm still confused about what a scallop is. That don't scare me. Nobody tell me. Feel, I'm not going to get it. I feel good about uh, it. So anyway, James Burns suggests that we talk about. With board game designers becoming the pop stars within the hobby game market, do you immediately buy that designer's newest game or buy a game on its content and not the pedigree of its designer? 100%. Which I thought this is a interesting uh, thing. Because, like, you will buy based on a designer. 100%. But I will not. Right. Because um, second chance is fun. But, right. like... You Rosenberg did not blow my socks off with that one. No, like, but I really like Second Chance. I Actually, know. Second Chance is a title that you tipped me off on, I believe, yep. Rick. Yep. Um, you said this is the random writer you should check out. Mm-hmm. I think you were right. Super light, really easy to get to the table. Very fun. Whereas I feel like he designed that over the phone. Which, it, you know right. what, you Rosenberg designing something over the phone is better than something I will design over the course of years. That's exactly right. But it's still not up to you Rosenberg standards that I've gotten from other you Rosenberg he, here, Here's my thing. Um, and, and Rick, you probably have the best board, board game pedigree of all of us. So uh, I'm curious what your take is on this. M- my bit here is like, there are so many fucking board games. Yes. I mean, at this point, the ability to cover, to be aware of, to expose yourself to is if it's not a full-time hobby, and even then, I'm not sure that you could do it, it's nigh impossible. And so for me, designers, even more than styles, mechanics, themes, are a way to make a pretty good bet that you're going to spend your money or your time on something that you like. Because I think that, so I think about Stegmeier, I think about Rosenberg, I think about Wolfgang Varsh. Um there are probably a couple of others that I look at and I go, yeah, pretty much when I play a game of yours, even if it's not my favorite thing, it has, um, it's elegant. Uh, I'm starting to feel this way about the shit that Flat Out Games is doing, frankly, between Point Salad and Calico and stuff they're putting out. Kevin Russ, um, I think might be the real deal. Um, designers are for, are for me a way to cut through the clutter. So yeah, I'm, I'm a little bit in on designers, but you buy a fuck ton of games mm-hmm. or play a fuck ton of games. Till this year, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So what's, um, what, what's the deal for you in there? Designers, class type mechanic. How do you make those kinds of decisions? It's, uh, so designer very well tips me off because I have the designers that I like the Fells, the Uves, sure. Stegmeyers. And then there's the designers that I really admire, but they're 50, 50. Like okay. a lot of Shivaddle. Okay. Oh, he yeah. He has yeah. done s- a, just a dearth of different style games. He right. can go code through names? the ages. Code yeah. names. Right. Yeah. Bunny Bunny Moose Moose, Tash Kalar. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Mage Knight, and then, um, oh, Galaxy Trucker. Yeah. Every one of those is completely different in right. theme and in mechanics. And unless. Without you knowing that that's a Velada Shivaddle game or following the industry, I don't think you would know that playing two of those back to back, you would right. know that was same from the designer. same person. Yeah, for sure. You do not make decisions based on designers. I do not. Uh, 
to, I, I do it rarely. To Rick's point, does it help tip you off? Does it be like, oh, so-and-so made a new game. I should at least check that out. But then you're willing to go, yeah, I don't want that. It, it definitely has an advertation, ad, uh, sorry, advertisement aspect for yeah, me. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Uh, so I will go look at something that I normally wouldn't look at. Say right. if the theme does not engage me very much. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I don't buy based off designer alone. Like as close as I would get would be probably Rosenberg. Yeah. Because uh, I, I fucking love his stuff. Yeah, but, most of his stuff's great. But um, at the same time, like, yeah, I, I just, when they, desute, when they do it full-time all the time, right. like, Reiner Kniezer makes some fucking fantastic games, but he, he's also been making games for so goddamn long. It's right. like the Stephen King problem. Like, eventually, they're going to write Cell. Like, right. and, yeah. then, and then here you are, having bought Cell. Definitely not saying that as from experience. I damn you! I, uh, the cell phones cause the zombies. And see now I'm now I'm <laughs> even thinking about like Shem Phillips, like uh, the guy that did uh, Noctiluca and Raiders of the North Sea and Architects of the West Kingdom. Um, I'm probably going to be the same way about that dude, which is like I'm at least going to buy some version of whatever na- whatever thing comes next. Mm-hmm. It could also be. Um, this is not true of Rosenberg, obviously, because th- that shit's all over the map, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, there's Caverna, Feast of Odin, Agricola. Then there's the Bonanza series and Second Chance, which couldn't be farther apart in some ways. Not unlike the Vlada Shavatel stuff you're talking about. Um, but like Shem Phillips, what he's doing now with the North Sea series and then the West Kingdom series, I'm making a designer decision, but I'm also not because he's building similar type games or at least similar themed games that exist in the same universe. So I feel like um, I'm probably making a good bet there. You know what I mean? And and that's the thing. If you're talking like you, Rosenberg, in the Feast of Odin, Baron Park, Patchwork, Tile Placement, Oeuvre, yeah, I'm in. I know it's going to be good. He's... He except for second chance, which is also tile placement. Yeah, but right. he, yeah, he he made them his own. But but like once they've been doing it long enough, and, yeah. and you you reach out, yeah, it's it's not for everybody. So I I, I understand that. Yeah, like, but I also think he's stretching himself too thin on designing too much stuff. Yeah, so that like, could also be true. Indian Summer is another tile placement game. Cottage Garden, all those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're they're fine. Yeah, but, but they're not blow your mind open. Right, great. patchwork yeah. is so streamlined and kind of visceral between two players, or it can be as lightweight as you want to and just teach somebody and go, it feels completely different from Cottage Garden and Indian Summer. Mm-hmm. See, and I've not played Indian Summer yet because I keep seeing it, and I'm like, okay, but it just looks like another tile placement game. I'm not particularly interested. And that's the way it feels. Right, exactly. It's like, okay, so you put you put different art on them. Okay, I don't really care about that that much, so not much for me. I will say this. Um, uh, I think you and I were both like a little excited to see Emerson Matsuchi standing at yeah, the next no, movie. It's booth. great to see him. I, yeah. I, I, but like that said, like I, I'm really impressed with the games. I, yeah. I, I'm going to buy more of them. Right. But, you know, if he does something outside the Century thing, I, I want the Century thing because I'm a. He com- did Reef. I know, but I, I want the Century thing and Reef as, as a completionist. And I only yeah. bought Reef after we played it. Yeah, for sure. Um, I'm not going to like get something sight unseen by yeah. Emerson Matsuchi because, you know, it's. It just doesn't do enough for me. Yeah, that's fair. I'm still curious about New World. I really want you to crack it open. Furthermore, there's some differences in um, the amount. Like, I I get as a designer, as a person who designs games himself, like Party Foul is definitely not not the next Red Markets. And I think people who expected me to do that again in a space of a year, Kickstarter Uh certainly suggested (laughs) that the interest is not there as a designer. Uh, and I understand that as an artist, you got to go where you got to go, and I get that. But all at the same time, like when you play something as Feast of Odin, like and you see what you Rosenberg can do, and right. then you play Second Chance, it, 
there's a little bit of a you know, like sad deflationary sound. Like sure, you hear the whoopee Price cushion. Right. Like, uh, yeah, there it is. We're just doing it for you now. We, I mean, we have to watch us go. Uh, so, uh, yeah, it, 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 I don't know. Sometimes it kind of deflates the experience from me knowing who designed it. I'm yeah. fully willing to lean in on this. That when I'm at a con, that when I see new stuff by people whose name I recognize. I I fanboy pretty hard and I get a little sweaty. Um and so yeah, these are how I make my decisions. But that's a great question, James. Thank you so much. Uh on that note, we're gonna grab another beer and we'll be right back. Spencer, I hate to drop this on you, but uh while it won't be posted in this order for our listeners. In the order of recording, this will be our 500th beer. How are you just going to clue me in on that? Well, I just, I highlighted the beer. We got to do the reality TV thing of like fucking surprise you. No, this feels like a really shitty thing to hold back. (laughs) Yeah, no. (laughs) And a highlight was supposed to let everybody know this? Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, it's. Wait, we had to work for it. How long have you known about this? down below that tells me what the highlight means? Right. What the fuck is this? How long have you known about this? When did you know about this? This morning when I thought we should be getting close to the 500th beer and I got it just in time. When it was you, beer two. I want a number. What time did you realize this, Stokes? Probably like 11.30 It's 7.15 p.m. Yeah. You've had nearly eight hours to tell me this. I was busy. We <laughs> pre-gamed before we recorded this episode. I was busy pre-gaming. And you did not... I don't not- count those beers. We're on our millionth if we do that math. I need to say something to you right now, and I mean it in this moment, and I might get over it, and I might not, but I fucking hate you so much. I don't think I don't think anything could commend the 500th beer of this podcast more than a heartfelt, sworn hatred to your co-host. At a minimum. My liver has and been through a, about to be 250 garbagey. Great. Well, there have been some guests. Largely yeah, okay, beer, but I but I largely tasted at a minimum. Yeah, all right. That's fair. <laughs> I've probably tasted like 470 beers on this thing. Now to get to 500, and you decided to deprive me of a full day's worth of knowledge that this was a momentous occasion for this podcast that we share together. I Spencer, mean, he spared you all that anxiety. Spencer, what beer did you pick for the 500th? <sighs> it's from American Trappist. It's called the Spencer. It's the Prestige. I knew all along. This doesn't help. What you've done, your long con ruse, doesn't make me feel better. Honestly, I'm John Doe's in control. I'm not even going to fucking like this beer right now because I'm so sad. So, is this just clone Caleb and other Caleb can get dropped into a trap? Wow, well, spoiler yeah, alert yeah, for a 12 yeah. year old movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I guess, uh, I guess I'll drink the Spencer Trappist Imperial Stout now from American Trappist. Do you like Trappist Stouts? You know what I really like, Ross? What? Knowing ahead of time this is the 500th <laughs> beer so that I can adequately celebrate a milestone on this fucking podcast. But I didn't get that, so I guess this and beer yet, better be And good. yet, by this outrage, we have. That is the irony. <laughs> the <laughs> magic of podcasts. It's been a roller coaster of emotions for Spencer today. <laughs> it's, not a very, it's not a very good nose. He's smelling it. No. Yeah. It smells like betrayal. I wasn't even describing the beer, <laughs> Caleb. You cannot stuff? judge the beer based upon. Oh, he will. You know who didn't give me that option? You, motherfucker. Do you want me to try it? No. It? Okay. You're not going to try the 500th beer. You do not get both. You do not get to both know about it and try it. Absolutely not. I will drink this beer. I'm going to drink it despite you, Stokes. He is drinking it spitefully. 
Yeah. Uh, he has angry I don't think eyes. cops don't get called. Like, there's some domestic <laughs> dispute going on. I mean, it's not an inaccurate description. Yeah. Well, I mean, the math bears out. Momentous or not, it's a it's a three. <laughs> that's, a, that's a Derrida. Yeah. Does it bring you jissons? Does it bring no. you joy? No, it brings <laughs> me <laughs> it brings me messons. Oh, um, nothing could be a more resounding celebration that, of this I podcast than yeah. a meh three. Yeah. As as apparently as I've just learned, the five hundredth beer the on the five hundredth beer. That's absurd. At some point podcast. at some point we're gonna tell people. Um, yeah, we've we've sampled over 500 beers on our podcast, and they're just going to call someone on our behalf. Well, at this point, we're just working towards 600. So. Yeah, well, mathematically. I look forward to you not letting <laughs> me know when that one is, too. Yeah, that's a three. Well, yeah, exactly. Uh, I, I like the, the malt notes. Yep. The coffee's very flat. Yep. And I, I don't like coffee stouts, but if the flavors are, I can identify it. But this is like a flat coffee. Yeah. Here's the thing. Then when you first when it first hits you, it's kind of a four. You're like, oh, this is kind of, and then it just dies. Yeah, the malt doesn't do enough. There's but the malt nothing is very on good. the back. It's yeah. a perfectly average stout. That's exactly I, I, right. I don't mind it. It's a three. Yeah. yeah. It's I drink that. It's fine. I don't mind Derrida. Well, Party and is a chat. Again, deeply flawed rating. I don't know system. how Derrida sound, otherwise I'd be imitating Derrida. Thank Derrida. God you don't know how Derrida <laughs> sounds. I, I think, mean, you like my size. I think we're uh, well. Like is a strong term, but <laughs> you need to expand your whole philosopher uh, impersonation. Don't do retinue, that. Retinue. Don't do yeah. that. And make the the least well attended hey. and most hated hey. stand up special in history. Same team. Same team, Caleb. <laughs> Don't do that. I think I think you should go to Ozark's comedy clubs oh and God. just Stop review this. your philosopher impressions. It's gonna kill. Because our <laughs> listeners are some of the ones I've seen that billiards. <laughs> Because our <laughs> listeners are um, addicted to Ross's Zizek voice, much like Americans are addicted to AC, apparently, <laughs> does not mean that you should continue to do that. Hey, uh, what are we talking about in this uh, uh, less than bombastic so moment? I'm off. so mad. I took my fucking glasses off because I'm so mad. That's the only thing I could think to do. I thought about taking my shirt off, but I didn't think that would be like a proportional response to my anger. It'd just be weird. And then I wouldn't off. have a shirt on. At least it wouldn't be so fucking hot. <laughs> it is very warm in here. God. Well, Russ says we can't turn the air on. I already did like 10 minutes ago. I need to say something on the microphone because I'm drunk. <laughs> it was hot in here. Like when we started this episode, Rick, Caleb, and I looked like we were all about to die. And I just told Ross after the pre-party, like, it's fucking hot in here, man. I can't say anything because I'm fat and I'm always hot. Yeah. So We're like, all was- a little fat, man. And so I just said it because I thought yeah. I was going to have a stroke. And to wit, Ross responded, I'm not lying. I've been trying to bump the AC up ever so slightly because Maddie's coming, and in Australia, they're used to it being warmer in here. Yeah. Like he's fucking microdosing us for some <laughs> fucking Maddie visit. Maddie's not here for a week. You could have done this the day Did she got here. you know what it here. was set at? 75. That's still a little warm, if I'm being totally okay. honest. <laughs> really? Yeah, but I'm addicted to AC, so yeah. what do I know? <laughs> yeah, if 75's really do hot. This is all gone off the rails. I think it was Caleb's <laughs> fault. Uh, but we're here because we want to talk about the nuts and bolts of cons, and we've got a guy who's literally fucking around a con. <laughs> any, any, anyway, Laura B. suggests. There we go. I should say the person you, who suggested. Yeah. Thank you, Laura B. I'm so mad, Laura. I'm uh, sorry. Would Rick please explain to Spencer and Caleb at the components that go into starting a convention? I, I would like to hear this from our Hot Yoga podcast studio. So, oh, Rick, man. Yeah. lay it on us. Downward dog and talk. Cobra and say, a lot goes into it. Yeah. You need people, you need money, and realize your first at least couple years, you're going to lose on your investment. Mm-hmm. Make sure it's something you love. Uh, if you go in there without any passion, A, it's going to show. Yeah. 
And B, you're not going to put near the work into it that it needs. Yeah. Uh, can I say something? Um, and I hadn't thought about it until this moment when you said it. I loved Moon City Con. And when you said, make sure that it's something you're passionate about and something you love, I think one of the things I liked about it so much is I could tell the people who put it on were passionate about board games. They wanted everyone in that room to enjoy board games for two days. Um, and I don't know that 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 nets out that way if the if the people who put it on don't care that much. So yeah, that, that totally resonates with me. Sorry to interrupt. You're all right. Yeah. Also, don't go, in, go into, especially if it's a passion con, going in there to make money. Right. Go in there knowing that you want to bring people together to enjoy the thing that you enjoy. Yeah. Um, ask questions. If you have friends that go to other conventions, find out what they like going there. Yeah. Because just because you like a certain thing and you just cater to that style, yeah. you're catering to one aspect of that convention. Sure, sure. Because like uh, Geekway to the West and uh, like Board Game Geek Con, those yeah. are a couple of our favorites that we like going to. They're big conventions, but there's certain things they do, and we try to ape certain things that we could and then dumb them down to the budget that we have. Yeah, for sure. So Geekway, I think it was Geekway that started the play and wins. Mm-hmm. They have board games that are open. You check out from the library. Uh, you fill out a little survey, and then at the end of the convention, they give away those games. So right. you go home with the game that you've played. Love that. So you know it going home. Hopefully you walked away with the game you liked, but <laughs> right. at the same right. time, hey, free game. Um, and then tournaments. Yeah. Some people are hyper competitive and love their tournaments. A lot of the people in the 417 Gamer Group, we found it depends on the game, but for the most part, people don't show up for tournaments. Yeah. Pitch Car and uh, Splendor were two big tournaments, and the, the rest of the five or six tournaments we've had had crickets right well even scythe last year at the moon city con i was surprised at how few people were playing in the scythe tournament now granted i'm a sucker for scythe so for me it was like well obviously you would play maybe it was length of game maybe it was that scythe can be a really competitive setting and that's just not for the people in the 417 gamer group but that is a really good observation yeah that and maybe it's not for those people i think that's indicative of our group we found out because a couple of them like i said splendor went really well when we did that tournament yeah mm-hmm. and so did and pitch car always goes fairly have well. you not run a concordia tournament also um, or did Catherine do a Concordia Day? We did day? run a Concordia tournament. We had about a dozen people out, and um, a couple of us kind of wrecked. Yeah. And when you've got some newer people, they don't like getting wrecked. And sure. So yeah. Yeah. That's shut that down. That's indicative of you need to you need to gauge your audience when right. they're coming in, and then play accordingly. Now, since some of us were running that tournament, we probably should have. Maybe played the first round and taken ourselves out, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which we learned for Moon City Con, right. where a couple people were playing in the tournaments from organi- organizers, but made sure that they were not, they could not win prizes or anything like that. Right, yeah, Catherine just crushed at Scythe. In, yeah. in a surprise to no one, Catherine, who has, I believe, the most logged Scythe plays of anyone on Board Game Geek. There for a while. She's down. She's trying to get it back. Oh, wow. Yeah. Sad day. It's as if someone didn't tell her, perhaps, maybe, that it was the, I don't know, I'm just spitballing here, 500th beer on her podcast that she loves dearly. That's probably how disappointing In that fact, was. I think you mixed your metaphor there a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. Definitely. <laughs> I know that you're conflict motivated and that rage fuels you, and you're welcome. Yeah, okay. All right. I've injected new life into this podcast. Sure, definitely, you dick. Uh, um, when you get your space. <laughs> Check your contracts. Read every little bit of it. Yeah. How much legalese, contractual Quite negotiation is there? You you know, there's deposits. Find out how long until you forfeit all your deposit. So a lot of times you can put down a deposit and try and sell tickets. And if you don't, you lose X amount of your deposit. Right. 
at a certain point, you might be on the hook for all the deposit, or you might be on a hook for a percentage of the whole room rental. Yeah, yeah. Um, with a lot of crowdfunding, it's pretty nice now to where you can take it to Kickstarter, which we did to fund this year. Yeah. We started our ticket sales on Kickstarter back in going from February to March. We sold about 70 people tickets. Mm-hmm. And we're back on MoonCity.com selling tickets from then on. We have a max size of 300 people. Okay. So we have about 230 people. We can still get to come to Moon City Con. We'd sure. love to have them. But it helped us get a better budget this year. Yeah. So right now, we waited for Origins to see what games were coming. Mm-hmm. So we're kind of hot on some games. And we wanted some newer games for our drawing love and that. for our playing ones. We've got some tried and true classics. And some stuff that we really like, but then we wanted to wait some of the new hotness. Yeah. Because with um, another thing, whenever you're renting your space, find out the next year. Check it a year ahead of what you're thinking to do to see if you can get that next year. Oh, yeah. Because the day after we did Moon City Con 2018, we did it in April, we checked for the next year and all three of the four weeks were done except for Mother's Day weekend. Oh, yeah. And we are not competing with Mother's Day. No. You won't. No. Right. Yeah. We might be able to compete with Father's Day, but Mother's Day, we Definitely won't Definitely not. Out of the yeah. question. So we had to move it to That's September. Forecast, yeah. Yeah. So we've got two years straight. Uh-huh. It is the weekend after Labor Day for two years straight, which right. is nice. Yeah. Same space, three days. So we upped it from two days to three. But that's one thing to check. If you get your space and you like your space... Check to look at the deposit for next year and see if you want to put that down now. Such a good idea. Because even if you lose 5 to 10%, if you kill it the first year, yeah, it's better than not having that space at all for the next year. Yeah, absolutely Which is. is what That was something we had to learn. Right. How many spaces did you look at? Because you landed at Oasis. Yep. But there are there are a surprising number of spaces oh, in Springfield yeah. for this kind of event. <clears throat> uh, no less than 30 spaces. Wow. And, and was it price? Was it availability? All of the above? All of it and how much they were willing to work with us. Okay. So we had an issue with the concession stand. Yep. But we went back there, voiced our concerns, and they worked with us immediately. Wow. They also didn't nickel and dime us on the charges. There was another convention space that the hall was this amount, and then a PA was this amount, and then Wi-Fi is this amount per day. Jesus. And then if you wanted to go past 10 o'clock, it was X amount on top of that, which the room itself was going to be cheaper, but then adding on all of their added costs, it wasn't feasible. And it didn't look like they were willing to budge or work with us on anything else. Because mm-hmm. Catherine, Catherine bakes cookies. Right. And if you get your ticket to Moon City Con. Yeah. Delicious uh, cookies. She is hoping to have more cookies, but I'm not guaranteeing that. Sure. If you Kickstarter with us, you're absolutely getting a ticket if you bought the captain or the family. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other space was not going to let us. And then there was a couple other spaces that were more money. And cap room. Oh, so yep. we looked at it, and they will tell you flows, rounds, rows, and theater. Hmm. And ask for a mock-up. Most of the spaces that do this frequently, you can get a mock-up, and they'll print you out a sheet of what the seats are going to look like. Mm. Huh. And for a gaming convention specifically, <clears throat> that's ask really important. for yeah. the size of the tables. Yeah, definitely. For because, sure. Um, a four by six or a four by eight is fine, mm-hmm. and these uh, these five rounds great. But when you go to some of these places, they have the half size tables where they're two by six, right? 
And those suck for no, games. No game fits. No. Yeah. You could put the board there, and then you've got nothing for pieces. No uh, one thing we found at Origins was kind of a reverse problem. Some yes. of the tables were too large, like these... Knights of the round, they, enormous round tables. They were like were eight like, foot rounds or nine foot if, rounds, and it's like everyone's having to get up and lean into the middle of the table to play the board game. Yeah, yeah. If you, if you weren't playing uh, Twilight Imperium or something where you need like the little stick that the general's using to you know invade Rommel. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh-huh. yeah, I don't know what they're fucking called. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's or how, a casino rig. Yeah, uh-huh. uh, yeah. Unless you had one of those, they were pretty much. Real impossible to play, especially small games. Yeah, we like, were playing little games, and it was, I mean, it kind of looked... Talisman comical. had six people, but it had like a nine-by-nine nine card grid. We're just like... It was, a, it was absurd. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, Rick, I'm interested. Um, so you had this uh, large meetup group um, from the 417 Gamers. It was large enough, your, your group, at some point, to think we could probably run a con. Mm-hmm. So... Um, I had to. I have to feel like at some point in the conversation about we should we or shouldn't we do this. At some point, you're really making a decision about how much do we love this thing and how much are we willing to risk financially to right. get this thing off the ground. I mean, at some point, that's got to be the the argument, right? Mm-hmm. What was the thing that pushed you over the edge? It was either we need to do it now or not at all, right? And we all we had enough people that were willing to invest and do it. And honestly, it was it was the other conventions in town, and, and they they service a large audience, right? But we felt like, at least for our section of that audience, they didn't do it well. Yeah. So there was one convention where they have music blaring for the LARP and the cosplay people. Yeah. But that is miserable when you're trying to teach right. any Euro. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Where you have more than two pages of rules. <laughs> That's exactly right, yeah. When you have Daft Punk's One More Time playing <laughs> One More Time. Have you seen that Shut Up and Sit Down Instagram post? Where they're at a club playing a Euro game and they get to the scoring mechanic, but then a DJ comes in and it turns into a rave. <laughs> but they didn't want to finish, so they just recorded him trying to explain the final victory condition. Then you will tally up your houses. <laughs> and like, yeah, it's very, very funny. And there's like a DJ like yeah. in the background. Yeah. That's my addition to this conversation. Sure. No, I'm useful. Yeah. 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 Honestly, I'm mad that you're still sitting at the table after everything that happened, <laughs> so that you had anything anything meaningful is fine. <laughs> Yeah. So it really was just, I mean, at some point we got to push and make it work or not make it work at all. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Uh, we, we had several people that, you have a lot of people that have the idea, oh, it would be cool if. Right. But how many of those would it be cool if are willing to put in the work? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So we got six of us originally together and we're down to five now and we're still making it work and putting it together. It's nice because we have, di- we occupy different realms in society so we can do different things. Right. I'm in sales. Right. And I have it, it's it's a family thing that the Bagwells know no strangers. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We can go up to just about anybody. You and really talk can. To them. I have watched you play board games with absolute strangers like you've known them your entire fucking life. It's yeah. unbelievable. Yeah. I can I can get up well, and then I stop people in the middle of games to go network real quick to couples that are milling around on a game night. Like, mm-hmm. give me a second, mm-hmm. I can go network. Right. And people that don't know me don't know what I'm doing until I come back. I'm like, you just gonna go talk to them? Right. Yes. Yes, that's I exactly am. right. Yeah. Uh, Kyle's a lawyer, so he is able to read all the legalese and go, oh, we don't want to do this, or I'm going to check on that. Uh, Because another thing is volunteers. Right. Find out what your state law is on volunteers and if they have to be paid. Right. Some um, will allow you to exchange a ticket for so many hours worked, but sometimes the monetary value of your ticket has to be equal to... um, the hours work. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One for one. And some is a little more fuzzy. So make sure you, you know, you, 
either you or have somebody look into that. Yeah, definitely. Wow. Because God, somebody that's a can lot. come back with a lawsuit and you're, you know. Right. You're liable for all that. Yeah, that's so much. And, I, and, and I, I've always known the logistics of conventions were insane. But, but even last week, maybe coming back from Origins, I don't remember, um, Caleb and I, you know, kind of just like waxed poetically about, you know, we'd love to get to a point where the Mix 6 could flatly just like support at no cost a bunch of people coming to Moon City Con or something like that just to play board games and meet people. Because we have so many listeners who post in the Discord, who message us on Facebook or Twitter. They're so interested in a lot of the games we talk about, but they don't have a local game group. They don't feel comfortable going to an FLGS. And so they just don't get the opportunity. And Moon City, it it was really one of the first con conventions, con experiences for me. It's so judgment-free, so open and uh, non-competitive that it's it's a bummer to me that more people don't have that opportunity. And so I know over time we'd like to grow the podcast because we'd like to be able to help grow those kinds of things. Yeah. Um, Cause it's so cool. We're happy you're here. We really couldn't thank you enough for moon city, for all the work you do in the, in the community for board games as a board game ambassador. Um, and for these wonderful tips, cause we also know we have a ton of highly professional, highly organized listeners who want to do these very things in their regions. And I half suspect that's why Laura wants to know because Laura and Adam are prime people to figure out how to put a con on in DC. So yeah. fucking figure it out. Okay. <laughs> we'll, we, we'll be there. Maybe probably if you pay for it, um, on that <laughs> note, we're going to grab more beer. It will, uh, as I now understand it, be our 501st beer on the podcast and Caleb will drink it when we get back. Caleb, I'm mad at you, but protocol dictates that I ask you what you're drinking. So what is that? Our why the rules are in place. beer of the Mix 6 podcast. Uh, I got this from Greg Bennett. Uh, it is from Mucky Duck Brewing. It is Mucky Duck's IFO. Topical. A bourbon barrel oak-aged ale. That's a lot of words. I will say, as someone well-versed in the art direction of cartoon ducks, they could have done better. On the label. Yeah, I feel um, like they phoned it in on that mucky uh, duck. I, they could have done better it's on the label. a bit clip art Yeah, it is no Casey Green Duck. I will say that much. Uh, so I'm going to drink this. Which is elitist about cartoon ducks. Well, Caleb drinks, I'll remind you all that he stripped me of the uh, uh, absolute and radical possibility that I would experience joy in my life by knowing that we were about to taste our 500th beer. <laughs> that is... Damn! Yep. You ex- did you expect to ascend to the heavens 100%. upon tasting it? It, it? it was to be a transcendent moment. Should we make like, a suicide pack for six hundred? What are you doing? Absolutely like, not. I'm not sure we're going to make it at this point. I think we're beginning witnessing the birth of Goth Spencer. He's kind of like, oh my hot. god, I'll hot be here for Goth Spencer next time. <laughs> uh, like you know, you're going to go hot topic. It's my liner. Absolutely, yeah. I will. Caleb, yeah. how's the mucky duck? That is a Diogenes. Oh, there's, a two. There's nothing offensive about it, Oof. but like, I want it to be like, it's the reverse <laughs> of Diogenes. It's like, I wish you were clean, man. It smells okay, but it's really boring. Oh, like, bummer. there's nothing going on there. Like, that it is, terrible. especially for a uh, bourbon barrel oak aged ale, like, there, I can't taste any of that. Give me that. Um, it is dead on the nose. Give me that. It's dead on the palate. I get a little bit on the back end in retro nasally, but it is, uh, it is much like a duck, very close to water. Um, yeah, I don't, that is I don't, that is nothing. Yeah, it does have a good nose. Yeah, yeah. You know what it? You know what it tastes like? This is. I'm a little drunk. Um, yeah, yeah. That's See? right. That yeah. face is your the fa- right face. Your face is the right face, Ross. Yeah. Um, Rick, you want to try this nothing beer? 
All right, I'll try the nothing. You know what it tastes like? <laughs> my my grandmother Here's has a been tiny bit kind of like enough aftertaste. To, yeah, but I'll tell you what it is. Yeah. Has been kind enough to pass, pass down to us all this furniture that she's had since like the early 1900s, like 1930. Yeah. And all of it, it's like good wood, wood furniture, but all of it has like an oaky scent to it. You and know what I mean? Balls? Like you open a drawer and it's like, oh yeah, that tastes like that smells like really old wood. Yeah. That is what that beer tastes like to me on the back end. Just really old wood. <laughs> So that congratulations, is, Mucky Duck. Yeah, yeah, it's... You with me on this? It might be below a two. It's, oh, oof. So I love Bourbon County when it comes out. I try and get a beer. Yeah, it's great. That is like the always save <laughs> Bourbon County. <laughs> it's like... Oh my God, also topical because it's Goose Island. Yeah. It's a water K-Bram thing. Cola. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. It's like Dr. Bourbon County. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Wow, Bourbon County Thunder. Anyways. Um, it's, it's Mr. County. He doesn't even know <laughs> He doesn't have a PhD. He couldn't get a title. Uh, yeah. Um, anyway, uh, this was a mistake was your number one vote getter. Uh, normally, this is a pretty board game focused a- episode, but Adam L. suggested the only this was a mistake uh, suggestion. So we got to go with it if it's going to be the number one vote getter. Uh, Adam L. suggests, what is consulting and why do we get paid to do it? I assuming that this is going towards producer Ross. Producer Ross. What is consulting? I mean, actually, Spencer. Yeah, I don't, yeah. <laughs> your face though was great because there was yeah. a moment where just you a were... freezing moment of terror where you actually buy <laughs> yeah, that, that awesome. I was directing it towards that you. Was yeah. awesome. yeah. See, that Ross, was how's, good. how's it feel when Caleb springs some shit on you? I'm yeah. the puppet master. <laughs> you dick. <laughs> um, I look. I I have so little to say here that 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 couldn't come back to haunt me in a in a in a next life when I move back into the consulting realm. You know, let me say this. Um. Consulting is good and bad. Let me start there. Would you like me to start with the bad, or would you like me to start with the good? Uh, I, I the don't good. know. I need a consultant to tell me. Okay, the good. Thank you, I'm producer. A Ross. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Terrifying. Um, <laughs> thank you, producer. Ross. Here, here's the good of consulting, and I really do believe this is someone who got paid to be a consultant for years and still does some consulting stuff in a different capacity. Um, Particularly in a business setting, I will say this, and and a coach setting, because I also have a a number of good friends who are business coaches or executive coaches. And while that sounds like a bunch of bullshit, it is not. Because... They'll get your 40-yard dash way down. Yeah, yeah. They will keep you tight. Um, (laughs) Let me say this. Um, It really is important. And this may be true of any setting. Um, I think this was true in grad school, honestly. Uh, it's really easy to get stuck in your own shit. You know what I mean? Like you're the only one looking at it or you're talking to people who have the same perspective or vocabulary or discourse as you. So you're all looking at it in a very similar capacity. And so to bring in someone who has a, a, a reasonably objective outside perspective, who has a decent skill set at either critical thinking, uh, at strategic planning, at problem solving, at maybe even like standard meetings, to bring in an outside perspective and to give you a sense of what it looks like from the outside, to maybe correct your perspective a little bit, to maybe offer some insight that you can't see because you're so far down the rabbit hole, or in our case, the beer hole. Um, <laughs> there are real valuable things that a consultant to add by being an outside perspective who's reasonably objective, and if they can help you identify and set clear goals that are not based on your uh, bias or limited viewpoint – Consultants can be very, very helpful and valuable. Um, I think executive coaching, if you can find a good coach, is a really valuable enterprise. Um, And I think that bringing in an outsider to run strategic planning conversations, to run some of your uh, more nuts and bolts operational things is good. That's the good I will say about consulting. 
Here's the other bit. <laughs> um, and this is the bit that I'm worried finds its way into in front of someone important, you know, 10 years from now. Um, consultant, consulting is better for consultants in a lot of instances than it is for consultees. Um, because consulting is the, uh, it's the industry of like no standards. Um, so like one of the problems with consulting is that if you're slimy enough, you can go in and tell someone that the standard for success in your engagement as a consultant is X, and X may not actually be all that meaningful for you, but if I can show you at the end of our engagement, however long that is, 30 days, 60 days, 90 days a year, I don't fucking care, um, we've gotten you to X, now you gotta pay me. And so... um, it's kind of like I I think you Isn't should. There also a problem of you should have had a consultant years ago, and the ship has sailed, and now you're getting one, and so there is that. It's problem. too late to solve the problem with a consultant, yeah. but they're going to take the money anyway. It, it might not be. It might. Yeah, generally, it might not be too late. But um, one of the things I I realized, I think about that show we watched with the guy who came in for businesses and the dude who had the knife store. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. the knife store. Yeah, guy Ross, who weren't was just you into crazy that? Weren't you knife? into that show like Wicked a lot on CNBC? Um, uh, oh, the profit. The yeah, profit. the profit. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. You had. Yeah, a there weird was some of that shit. Too. I was like, yeah, this motherfucker couldn't fix anything. Every going single on episode here. of the profit is like, I have a failing business. Please save me. Okay, I've looked at your business. You're doing this stupid thing. <laughs> Don't do this <laughs> incredibly <laughs> stupid thing. Yeah, like, that's right. Like dating your manager, even right. though you're married to someone else, or <laughs> yeah. like health code violations, or your store is losing two hundred grand a month. Maybe <laughs> close that second store. Yeah. No, I really want to do stupid thing. No. It's emotionally satisfying. That, it, it, there's definitely part of. So like um, yeah. sometimes I think of uh, like Ben Wyatt and uh, and Chris Traeger on Parks and Rec, right? Like when they consult for um, Eagleton, you know what I mean? And it's like, wait, so you have six masseuses on staff and a barista for your masseuse? You know what I mean? Our it's entertainment like, 720. Right, E720. <laughs> and, and I definitely walked into some scenarios like that, right? It's... Um, Oh my God! You, why did you call me after you were already like getting ready to file for bankruptcy? You know what I mean. Like the only help I can give you now is like point you to a good attorney rather than a bad one. Yeah. And so um, I would say that a lot of people who, or a lot of businesses that I interacted with that wanted the the perspective of a consultant, good or bad, probably waited a little too long. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I worked with a really great business coach um, for a number of years. And he kind of had this philosophy that consulting doesn't matter after things have gotten bad. Consulting, consulting's, consulting matters right before things start to go bad. So when you feel like you're doing really well, hire a consultant. Um, because after you feel like you're, do, you're doing really well, that's when things typically take a turn for a variety of reasons. You level off, the market crashes, you've saturated your own area, and so now you have to look for other opportunities for, for a variety of reasons. It's when you're doing really well that you should call a consultant to make sure that you have the systems and the processes in place to continue to do really well, not after you've burned the fucking building down. Yeah. And that that for me was like always kind of the bit there. So mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, Rick, you work uh, in electrical supply, electrical engineering. Yes. Um, you work for a specific company. Any experience with consulting and or consultants in that role? No. Good for you. <laughs> Amen. That means you probably work for a company that has continued to I get spam mail ascend. from consultants and I just delete those. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and, and, and I'll be honest, like if, you're, if you or your company is going to go hire a consultant, the the best thing you can look for in an initial conversation with that per, that person is any indicator of how willing to be honest with they with you they are about what success looks like in that engagement. Um, I sat in the room with plenty of other consultants who were working on slightly other parts of the business than I than I was, 
And the ones that I always kind of like took to were the ones who were just like, I honestly don't know if you can accomplish that. But if you want to take the risk, I think here are the things we could do to do it. I'm much more interested in working with those people than I am the people who, you know, are snake oil salesmen and tell you, yeah, we can do whatever you want. Just pay me enough. Mm -hmm. That's 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 fucking stupid. Yeah, they can't and you won't. Mm -hmm. Um Thanks for the question, Adam. I've been meaning to get that off my chest for a while. It's the second thing I've had to reconcile today. Thanks, Caleb. God, he just said he deletes every email he gets from your kind. Yeah, that's right. And I'm still in yeah, the doghouse? Definitely. All right, fine. All right. No, well, we, I need another beer. Came beer. Up, I would tell that person. Right. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. Yeah, Rick, what are you doing after this? Do you want to do a podcast with me, though? I'll just come back to Ben and Anna. Um, well, we're going to go with the, the, the 502nd beer. Um I get to count from now on. Immemorial. It'd be way easier Levi's to keep track. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be right back with a non-special beer. Hey, Rick, what are you drinking? I am drinking Cocoa Ecto from Decadent Ales. Uh, Let's see here by Great Shore Bay Brewery out of Bayshore, New York. Oh, New York. We've had some New York beers. Not for a while, though, it feels yeah, like. Yeah, this isn't from Columbus. This yeah. came from the uh patently not the beer hole. So we so don't know speak. we don't know where and when this came from. <clears throat> Just yeah. coming out the other side. Yeah. Someone came, threw it through. Came out the other side of the beer hole. Yeah. The I'll, beer hole. Let me, yep. We're right. just gonna That's keep official we're just name. keep saying yeah. it. Yeah. I need a Where's I need that like shirt? a wood burned sign. Yeah. Ooh, do you though on the beer hole? Is that interest or is that anger? Oh. It's interest, but I don't know if it's good interest. Yeah, there's a lot of notes there. They're playing together. It's very interesting. I'm going to keep it a three. Now, hold on. Ooh. Ooh. Back in. He might. I appreciate he, that. He might rectify himself on rectify himself on the mic. That's a three. <laughs> oh, okay. No. Landed hard on it. Let me have this. Uh, let me have this. Thing. So the, the coconut has got coconut and some other citrus. Oh, coconut can fuck off. The coconut comes in later, mm. so I wanted another drink to see if it comes in stronger. It comes in a little bit stronger, but it's a note that doesn't seem like it plays well with the rest. Mm. Yeah, well, it's oh. coconut as a flavor, so yeah, it's too sweet on the end. Yeah, it has like a like a like a like a Bath and Body Works lotion kind of like oh my god, well that's too much there on the back end. That's yeah, yeah it, it is three. Yeah, yeah, I'll give it a shot. It is a very yeah. It, sweet, it feels like a effort. synthetic coconut uh, flavor on the back end, like overly oh, oh. sweet. Yeah. Yes, I swallowed some suntan lotion. Right. Yeah. yeah, that's exactly right. Suntan lotion. That's I, what it I is. I don't think it's quite as bitter suntan but lotion. I, <laughs> yeah. But I'm with you on the front. I like the front. Okay, uh, for an IPA, there's enough citrus going on there, and difference in citrus. Citrus, so it doesn't just taste like IPA and then sweet. There's like you can get a little bit of the lime, you can get a little bit of the tangerine, but mostly then there's just <laughs> sweet. Uh, Caleb, what are we talking about? This is going to be a mixed six mock draft. And in this mixed six mock draft, Turtle has ordered us to draft board games as the four horsemen of the apocalypse. I like this. Yeah. I'm kind of surprised we... I'm not surprised. I'm going to go with the Terry Pratchett Good Omens roster because, you know, differentiating between war and conquest, you know, that's just bad Bible writing. (laughs) We're used to that. Uh, So I'm going to go with Pratchett here. Uh, and so we're going to go with death, war, pestilence, or pollution, whatever you want to think it of, and famine. What board game rides that horse? Yeah, so I like it. I'll go first. Okay, where are we starting? I'm going to go with famine. Kay. My famine's going to be Kill Dr. Lucky. 
Um, if you're eating a board game, uh, the sustenance that you get is turns. And every time I've played Kill Dr. Lucky, it is about watching other people play Kill Dr. Lucky as my turn is skipped or I take my turn and am underwhelmed by results. I'm starving for what should be a board did game. You, have you played it since we did it that last year? No, and I won't. It was terrible. It's also technically the island of Dr. Lucky. Okay, I don't care. <laughs> it was awful. Yeah. Uh, we, wa- yeah. we walked by it at Origins, and it's impossible to spot any one thing, really, in that many people in that many games, and somehow Caleb managed to see exactly that box and look exactly that angry <laughs> for a matter of minutes as we walked by it. Uh, Rick, who'd you choose for Famine? Uh, What'd you choose? I chose Love Letter. <laughs> it's, it's one of those games that after you're done you're not sure that you had fun playing a game <laughs> i mean it's over uh, quick enough to be before it's offensive yeah but after i'm done I'm like ah, did i enjoy that yeah for sure i really don't want to go in to see yeah yeah but i i was not sustained by any board gaming fun but it was also there there was a hint of it a yeah. whisper yeah and then I played the new eight player version that goes on forever. There's and an I definitely, eight player love letter. Yeah. No, I don't want that. Yeah, and it definitely didn't feel like I was having any board gaming fun. I don't want that a little bit. <laughs> uh, Famine for me. I know this is going to be an unpopular take off the off the top here, so I just need you to go with me for a minute, Rick, because I know how you feel about this game. I feel similarly. Um, I think of Concordia, um, and, and let me say this: Concordia is probably my second or third favorite game. Uh, it's it's Concordia and or Heaven and Ale. Sure. Having played. Quacks of Quedlinburg this week. We might have an argument here in a few weeks. Ooh, Quacks is real good. It was phenomenal, and we will talk about it later. Um, here's why I'm choosing Famine uh, and Concordia. The The trick to me, the thing that actually makes Concordia most interesting, is that it's terribly hard to get your engine going. Every time you want to do something, you realize you should have decided that three turns earlier because you've not generated the resources to be able to do the thing. I, I see what you're saying. Your hunger is always greater than for what you can actually do. Yes, that you have to ration decision making early and often. Because it's if not you like don't, a late turn engine builder like Terraforming Mars. Which no, it's like cute. No, it's not. You have to constantly <laughs> be rationing your decisions and your resources because inevitably, in every game of Concordia I have played. <clears throat> I have ended up in a position where I really wanted to take an action and really did not have the resources to do that. And I'm four torn, four turns away at this point from being able to take the I action. feel that way about having an ale. I just wish those fucking monks would work harder. Right. Yeah, yeah. Just double produce here, guys. Goddamn lazy-ass yeah. monks. So, so, so let me <laughs> Do more stuff. Not that famine is ever good, uh, but, but that it is one of the few games that for me feels like it has a mechanic of needing and wanting more and you really have to work for it. Yeah. So, Caleb, what's next? Uh, so for my pestilence or pollution, I'm going to go with uh, a, a game I like, uh, Palace of Mad King Ludwig, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because that game comes with, could only be described as a biblical plague of swans. It's excessive. I don't know if you've ever opened a box of pa- uh, Palace of uh, Mad King Ludwig, but those fucking swan tokens get everywhere like like glitter from an elementary school student. It yep. is, they are... Uh, just a swarm? Yep. I think it's a swarm of swans is yep. the technical term. Uh, just swarm. too many swans. Yep. That's um, right. Infection. Yeah, yeah. A blight of swans. A swan infection. Yeah. Uh, Rick. Monopoly. <laughs> There's... And I almost, it is a plague upon this earth. Yes. And, and I almost put this as war because of how many fights it started. That's right. But as many iterations of Monopoly that we have and derivations thereof, we are going to forever have monopolies 
So when we finally kill ourselves off of this planet, right, and other life forms come <laughs> to, it's the cockroach report games. Dri- digs, yeah, and, yeah. Oh, these people—they must have loved this game of Monopoly. <laughs> There's Dogopoly, Alabama <laughs> Opoly, Family Guy, Family Guy, Fortnite, Monopoly. right? Fortnite mm-hmm. Monopoly, <laughs> really? Yeah. Game of Thrones Ugh. Monopoly. Yeah. These and poor people. All they could do. It's. Ugh. It's not as bad as people think. It's not great. Especially, I mean, there's everybody house rules the shit out of the game to right. where it's unplayable. Yeah. <laughs> but at the same time, it's every fucking where. It's like five to ten bucks, the base game at your local yep. big box store. And it's going to stay in your attic until you lose enough pieces and you're going to chuck it. Yep, that's right. Uh, everywhere, I've, I've been giving these board game talks now, like once every 30 to 60 days at various places. I'm going to do one again here at Missouri State in uh, two months. Inevitably. After I give one of these, someone comes up to me and, and tells me, someone of a certain age, if I if I can be so crass, uh, to tell me the story about how their family grew up playing Monopoly and how great it is. And at that point, I know that um, I have nothing to say to you, Protector. <laughs> uh, my pestilence choice is Spirit Island. Uh, two layers here. One, there's literally a blight mechanic in which you spread pestilence across the land. But the more topical and hot take here is that game continues to spread amongst people that I love and care about, and I cannot figure out why it is the herpes of board games <laughs> everywhere i turn in our discord someone is playing spirit island and seems to be enjoying and loving it. it yeah james burns has made impassioned pleas for me to try spirit island again i understand that sarah is interested in trying it because so many people have mentioned it i will tell you this i would sooner burn my copy of spirit island than play it again <laughs> but i will teach it to you so that you may carry on this disease alongside me for the rest of our it's time. It's like together. it follows. You, you need someone else to play yeah, Spirit Island. Uh, that's, that's exactly right. I have a pestilence, too. All right, uh, get in there. Cards Against Humanity. Oh, yes. yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It's everywhere. Good pick. Yeah. yeah. But. I mean, do you need to say anything else? <laughs> if you use those answers and play them moniker style. Okay. Oh, way better, I bet. It makes yeah. it a way better game. Oh. Especially if you're playing with people that are more towards your humor style. Yeah. yeah. I had not thought about it. It's, it's almost as if Monikers is a better game. It's a, it's <laughs> yes. a good game. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, what'd you go for war, Caleb? Diplomacy. It's the only possible result of yeah. playing it. Uh, war, war is the end result. Actually, so. I played Diplomacy, and I was just like, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> and we just kind of ended it. It's like, let's not go to war. Okay. Mm-hmm. But yeah. if you went to war, would you know what you were doing anyway? I mean, in some games, I would. Maybe some games. Yeah, right. I've played. <laughs> war. I've watched a lot Ross of out yeah. there. Throw them in real war. Right, you're gonna go. Hey. Oh, we're fucked. Yeah, I've, yeah. I've watched a lot of like well documented let's plays of diplomacy, and like I'm not mean enough to yeah. do well. That game. Uh, yeah, war is the only result. Yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. hoping meta games will bring back their big diplomacy back. <laughs> so meta games has changed several uh, destinations or areas in Springfield. It yeah. used to be behind CD Warehouse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we used to collect those things. Mm-hmm. And they had a big diplomacy map that they would do turns once a week. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. And you would submit them by sealed envelope. Oh, God. And you could discuss as much as you wanted during the week. (laughs) But Friday at X time, you had to put your move in and whatever you were doing. That's actually pretty great. I would definitely be into that. brutal. No. That also means the betrayals are that much (laughs) So much more brutal. (laughs) Yes. Because all week, yeah, we got to get Ross. We got to get Ross. And then Ross and I... Turn around and get Spencer right. because, you know, hey, betrayal. The whole week, Caleb was like, I'm not going to tell him it's Beer 500. I'm not going to tell him it's Beer 500. <laughs> and then I open the envelope Friday at 7 and it's Beer 500. Anyways, Rick, what'd you choose for war? I chose diplomacy as well. Damn. <laughs> it's the only possible answer. As many friendships I, I, as that has I, ruined, as many stories as I've heard 
of mm-hmm. game groups getting broken up and not meeting ever again. Right. And D&D groups that went and played uh, diplomacy for a day to see, hey, what's this thing? And like, yeah, we never met again. Yeah. I once heard someone call it a divorce simulator, and then someone said, no, it's a divorce actuator. <laughs> see? And, and that, that, was the, that was kind of the mechanism for my choice here, because I did not choose diplomacy. Um, it's concept with your significant other. That, for me, is <laughs> yeah. like peak war. That could be... Brutal. I don't know what it is about playing concept with Brandy, but we've never made it through a game where I didn't think for a hot second, she's going to leave me. <laughs> and I'm going to be worse for it. Alternatively, Caleb and I can be on the same team of concept yeah. and never miss a beat. Pretty much the same with code names, too. Yeah, exactly. So maybe I would just put like any abstract guessing game, like abstract deduction uh, with your significant other. Ross, you had a war answer? Yeah, uh, Munchkin. Oh yeah, yeah. I thought oh, you were yeah. going to say forty k, and I was going to kick you out. No, yeah. no. I mean, that's that's a war game. It's different than a board game, right? Definitely uh, true. Yeah, skirmish game. Uh, much in because I mean, that's the game that I get angry at playing. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> that could also be a good one for pestilence because yeah, yeah. there's a lot of. It's them. literally there the actually game. is a, a Munchkin forty k game coming out. Sure, there is. Yeah, I saw yeah. Munchkin Gloom at Origins. Yeah, I couldn't believe it was a real thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're just mixing with other board. Games All Munchkin there. is Gloom, by the way, and that's something to remember um caleb what's last uh i kind of switched my rubric on this one my death is going to be lowlands because i'm coming for you death rides a white horse Ugh, which is kind of like sheep. a sheep yeah. and i'm gonna i'm really good at lowlands i like it a lot it's a fun game i like raising them sheep uh and i like the idea of me riding a sheep to destruction uh so yeah i'm gonna go lowlands it's a medium good pick rick i went with checkers so in the Terry Pratchett uh, Good Omens, <laughs> yeah. death has always been and always will be, and it's the one yep. right of the apocalypse that Adam had no control over. Mm-hmm. Checkers will, was here before we got here. It'll be here long after we're <laughs> dead and buried. Right, and gone. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, checkers boards and pieces have been found as early as 3000 BCE. Yeah. So it, it, it predates, it will post-date. Uh, this one was the easiest one for me. Uh, it's Klondike Rush, because I've never wanted to die more than when playing Klondike Rush. It is absolutely the most unbearable game I've ever encountered. Uh, I can only imagine it is what Caleb feels like while playing The Island of Dr. Lucky. Uh, I you should just imagine it. I actually, would, I would not wish that upon you. wanted to die whilst playing Klondike Rush. Ross? Uh, Twilight Imperium, because you will die before you finish a game. Hey. Yep. Oh, I need to yep. you guys yep. in on yep. the game, then. Uh, we are busy, and on that note, we're going to grab more beer. Technically, I believe it is Mead, brought to you by the good friends at Good Brews, Bad Views, and we'll be right back. Spencer, what are you drinking? So, uh, some of our dear podcast friends, uh, uh, Max, James, and Ryan at Good Brews, Bad Views, if you've not checked them out, you should definitely uh, head on over to their Patreon. You can check them out on Twitter. You can check them out on Facebook. Uh, they're, they're watching bad movies. They're drinking great beer. They're from the Detroit area, so they get some really cool stuff that we don't see that often. And Ryan and James were cool enough to go out of their way at Origins to bring uh, bring us both a big-ass bottle of mead, which I'm about to drink from, like a heathen, and some really fucking cool like whiskey. Like a Viking. Yeah, some really fucking cool whiskey that we're going to use for our next Hot Takes on Ice. Uh, but this is the mead. So this is from Bee Nectar. It's a limited release. It's their 2019 hashtag dragons are real. Read that tiny subprint subtitle. I'm going to do that. <clears throat> so um, I like some of these words. I don't like others. Okay? I'll let you guess. 
<laughs> honey wine, okay, with cherry juice, chipotle peppers, and cacao nibs added. All right, all right, I can play. Next sentence: aged in dragon's milk barrels. I hope not. Uh, at a minimum, milk's a good beer. At I've a had minimum, that before. Yeah, I just I I don't know how well it's going to go with a mead. Right, but right. Eh. That's what I'm worried about. Is what yeah. I'm saying, but. It's, it smells good, so I'm going to drink it. He's sniffing it. It's in a lovely blue bottle, yeah, like blue. a Delirium Trimmins bottle almost. <laughs> um, blue is an unusual color for uh, yeah. alcohol. Probably not great for light, but... Well, I, I mean, don't it's know. It's a limited release. Um, <laughs> does not get 404. Also, you know, the wine part. You I know, want everyone... I found. <laughs> You're in anguish. It's a it's an audio medium. Buddy. I know. You gotta I say know. something. I'm really struggling here, man. I think just his exasperated yeah, size. I just kind of tell a story on their own. <laughs> um, you could do some ASMR with that. I, I get. I I get the honey. Um, <laughs> I definitely get some of the honey. I definitely get the cherry juice. I get a little maybe medicine on the back. Um. That I don't love? I, I, I get the cherry. I don't get any of the uh, peppers or the cacao. I don't get any peppers or cacao. I get honey I a lot on the front, and then I get cherry. Just get, in the heat, not in the flavor. There is some heat. Yes. Yeah. Okay, you're right. The, there is some heat there. But it's, it's so mild. It's, right. It, it's, it's there, but it's not offensive. It's right. Yeah. Uh, what's the Abraxas? Yeah. 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 yeah that's a good reference. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I would say Abraxas does have a little bit more heat, though. I, for, for my money. But it, yeah, I agree. Um, yeah. It's very mild. On yeah, that, yeah. I want to say two things. One, that's one of the most interesting things I've ever tried. I, I mean, yeah. I really truly mean that. It has more distinct flavors in the course of one drink than maybe anything I've had in It's a complex. Hot I don't think it's bad. What, no. what would you rate that as? I kind of want to keep drinking it. Um, I, that might be a four for yeah, me. Yeah, I think that's a four. Yeah, yeah. I don't remember who I we put for a four. A four. Yeah, yeah. Okay, it's so Catherine Elgin. Yeah, I wouldn't yeah. drink like a lot of them in a row. No, like, but I think I'd have yeah, that yeah. one, and I'd be yeah, pretty yeah. happy it's like about the it. Right, Elgin, but it rounds up to a Catherine <laughs> Elgin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. Um, I find that to be fascinating. It's not a five. It's not the best thing I've ever had. It doesn't change. It's arguably the best mead we fucking had on this show. Oh uh, no, it's not arguable. Right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, yeah. Our I mean, mead experiences have been dark. It's not and like painful. Oatmeal piss. <laughs> um, um, I, I find that fascinating. Um, so, anyways, thanks to the Good Brews Bad Views guy. Definitely check him out on Twitter, Facebook, Patreon, the website, wherever the fuck you want to. Really, uh, they're doing great stuff. Can't thank him enough for this and for the whiskey. We'll try next time. In the interim, Caleb, what are we talking about? Q asks in Est Mix Six. Love this uh, question. How would you introduce Concordia and other dull theme, interesting mechanics to your groups? Do you ease them in with an escalation or try to explain what's good about it? Here, here's what I like about this Rick is our resident Concordia expert. Um, and you were certain that I would like Concordia. You introduced it to me. Yes. You did not lie about it. You did not tell me it was something that it wasn't. You flat said it is a dry euro with a boring theme, and the mechanics are the tightest gameplay I've ever seen. But I mean, you're that, also that market. That was it. But I am that market. That's yeah. right. That's right. So is that your is that your pitch on Concordia all the time because you just want to be honest with people? Uh, it depends on the person. Okay. I read the person. That's that's part of the sales, but it's also part of being in the hobby as long as I have. Yeah. I played, I played close to 1,000 games at this point. Jesus. But number one, know your group. Right. Number two, 
pick your hill to die your hill to die on. Yeah, and maybe that's not it. Right. If your group is of the Munchkin ilk, they might not be ready for that dry euro. For sure. Pick gateway dry euros first. Yeah. Pick your splendors, your century spice roads. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. See where they are at that, because most of those are largely mechanics with theme pasted on them. Yeah. If they are not feeling those, don't step them into a midweight euro. Right. This is a lighter midweight euro, but it's definitely a next step. It's yeah. Gateway. Um, let me ask this question. So, like, when I have introduced, so like my in-laws are my father-in-law in particular, like real into dry economic engine games. Um, I don't know that he would think of them as euros necessarily, but like he definitely loves him like some pick up and deliver. I think he would just go bananas for container. If I can get him here, I'm going to have you come over and teach container because I think he'd like the closed economy system. Oh, yeah. So for me, I was able to introduce that game to them talking about it. Do as, you want me to do with the expansion where the bank you can get loans or just without it and we can all fuck each other over and I think make that the one. game unplayable? I think that one. Yeah, that's <laughs> definitely better. Yeah. Catherine um, and Steve in our group won't play container ever again with me. Really? Yeah. What'd you do? Uh, they told me that I had to do certain thing in the game and to keep the, the economy going. If you don't do it this way, I'm like, okay, I don't have to do anything. <laughs> and I made the most painful game of container <laughs> that I could. It's, I don't know, it's in my nature once in a while. If you tell me I have to do a thing. Yeah. Or you tell me that, hey, if you don't do it this way, it's going to fail. I'm like... Oh, okay. Let's see. So what they that entered. Looks like. They entered the Rick Depression. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Rick, have you met producer Ross? There. Yeah. <laughs> this sounds. This sounds very familiar. Um, what? Uh, so I introduced them. I said it's, it's pretty much an economy game. Um, you're you're just generating an economy. Have you found that there are certain um, frames, similes, metaphors, analogs that you use sometimes? Economy simulator, o- other than things to say dry euro. You know, maybe you say engine builder, something like that. Or do you just try to say mechanics here's what the game theme is? Theme or theme over mechanics. Yeah, and that's <laughs> why I really. I mean, a lot of people don't like the Ameritrash th- label on Ameritrash games. Screw you. When I'm getting into games, I want to know what I'm getting into. If you've got a game that is thematic, but the mechanics aren't the greatest, or they're they're not enough for me to get my teeth into gameplay wise, that right. I'm going to be playing the story. Let me know that. Yeah, yeah. You know, I don't want my expectations going in one way and to go in another. I play enough games, and I've spent way too much on enough games to where I don't really want to waste my time on shit games anymore. Yeah, for or sure. I don't want to go in with this expectation. I don't mind if you don't play that many games. Yeah. But in our group, whenever you tell me that this game is this, and right. I go in, and it's only half that, yeah. I'm not going to be mad at you, but I'm going to be disappointed in that game. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, Because you've set an expectation. Right. Let me ask this. You teach a lot of strangers at 4 and 7 games, at 4 and 7 gamers, metagames, wherever. Yep. And, and probably some people who are new to the hobby. Sure. Um. Caleb and I have been doing more of this. We've run some game nights at Best of Luck Beer Hall. We're doing one at the Alamo Draft House coming up. And and I feel like Caleb and I have a decent bead on how to show new person game. But what are the kinds of questions you ask or things that you're looking for in that process to figure out what kinds of games to play or what kinds of things to look for? Absolutely. What games have you played? Right. What games do you like? Yeah. And then if I find that game, what do you like about that game? Right. Because we've talked about it. There are several people that say Monopoly. What do you like about the Monopoly? Right. If you like properties and trading, I'm going to bring Chinatown. Yeah. If you like moving around a board and random things happening, then I might bring out a King of Tokyo or something with dice where things happen at a random interval. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, If you like Clue and the deduction games, then I might bring out Mysterium. Right. Which brings that theme to it. Yeah. 
I'm going to find out what you like, and I'm going to try and marry the game to that instead of trying to shove you in the box I want you to go. Right. And that's something I had to learn the hard way, too. Right. When I first got in my first two or three years into the hobby, I had, like, I made the mistake of letting a friend look at my wall of games and pick the game that he wanted to try. Uh, yeah. He wanted to try Kanban. Right. Kanban is is a very midweight Euro game where you're making cards for an assembly line. You're getting evaluated by a CEO. It's mechanically very sound, and all the mechanics feel right for the theme that they put on that, mm-hmm. but it is about a 20-minute teach. Yeah. And if you have somebody that doesn't play games, if you cannot teach your game in 10 minutes or less, and their eyes start glazing, you've lost them. Right. Game over. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I, um, I think you also need to accept there's no go zones. <clears throat> like for me, sure. Um, I, I don't know. The one I can think of off the top of my head, thematically, I don't give a shit about trains. Yeah. So like Ticket to Ride, I've played it. I, I God, I don't give a shit about trains. So yeah, like I just right. can't. It could be the most mechanically perfect thing in the whole world. If it has trains and then other things, I can do it. Yeah. If I'm using the trains to move, like brass is fine. Like I, I can do it. But if it's just about trains, I fuck off i've never given a shit i will never give a shit it's just trains like they just move from place to place and like the thing is if someone's going to introduce me into games they're probably going to know that about me yeah um so i i think i think that's it's you know it's very different when you're talking about like say strangers at a at a meetup and i think uh rick's advice is very true there but like sarah's the same way i'm not going to try and introduce a game right. about trains to sarah because it's just a no-go zone yeah like, for sure we don't care about trains here's what i've we're learned. not a train household right no what trains yeah what did trains do to you when you were little yeah no, nothing interesting my goodness um and right. that's why i don't want to play a game about them like here's what i've noticed as as um as i meet more people and my board game affection becomes infectious and people ask about board games and they're interested in learning board games i think the hardest thing i've learned over the last probably year, year and a half, as I've tried to be something like a board game ambassador, um, is that oftentimes when you're getting people into the hobby, you you the first thing you might have to do is not not play your favorite games with them yes. because your favorite games aren't necessarily good games to teach people. Yeah. So like um, Jared, for example, has really wanted to get into board gaming. And he was insistent that we play Scythe because he heard about me. He heard me talk about not it so much. One. Don't start with that one. And so I just said to him, like, listen, man, you don't understand. It's going to take me 20 to 25 minutes to teach this thing. Nothing about it is intuitive. Uh, once we get going, it'll pick up a little bit. Why can't I go across water? Because you're holding wood. Right, yeah. Exactly. Obviously. <laughs> right, I mean, at some point, you only have a mech warrior. It, it's you, all, you can't carry wood and a mech. Right. It's all convention. <laughs> um, and, and he was like, I really don't care. Um, I really just want to learn this. And I said, okay, fine. Then, then I'll teach it to you. And actually, very lucky he took to it. I've seen the same thing happen, though, with other people who were insistent. No, I've heard you talk about this thing. I want to play it. I think I told you about a game night we had um, some months ago. They were insistent we play Scythe. I got there and realized, I'm thinking they're asking me to play Scythe. They like Scythe, or they're at least into games. They don't play board games, but they'd heard me talk enough about Scythe. And, And then... And then I felt like I hadn't done my due diligence. You know what I mean? Because now I'm the asshole who brought uh, this $100 box of things I've cobbled together. And I'm, I'm, I've been talking for 30 minutes and no one's taken an action. And I, I should have used some discretion there and just said, like, this is not going to be great, guys. And I'm sorry. Um, 
Because that's not the nature of the beast sometimes. Um, but yeah. And they wanted to play your passion for Scythe, right. not necessarily Scythe. Yeah, that's exactly right, which is a very different thing two hours from now. I will also say there's also a possibility to overthink this. So, like, my first board game that wasn't, like, the big infamous seven boring games your parents made them play right. was Arkham Horror with Ross, which I absolutely loved. Yeah. Like, I had a great time. I didn't know board games could do that. I was amazed. And then we got really into the hobby with you. Yeah. If you asked me to do an Arkham Horror set where I just sit in the fucking portal waiting for it to close again, right. I I tell you to go to hell. Yeah. You go in the portal. I do not want to just sit there and miss turns. I tried to get the Arkham Car card game and just putting your deck together is too it's too much work for me. Right. I, I like I'm beyond that in terms of mechanics now, but at the time I had so little experience in the hobby yeah. and I was just amazed at like the production value yeah, and that factor. it told a story. Totally. And then like yeah, so like there can be something like where they're so new you can just wow them with something yeah. if they if you can teach it in such a way. Definitely. Uh, and Ross was a good ambassador for that. Um and it's that game still holds a special place in my heart even though mechanically I, i'm not wild about it in a yeah, lot of ways yeah. nowadays uh but yeah yeah one other note i would make before we get out of this um i think it's really important to recognize what games you teach well and what games you don't teach well yeah um i've had plenty of people who were very passionate about games who couldn't teach them for shit and um honestly your passion for me to want to get into the game was great your inability to teach the game made it so that I don't want to play that game anymore. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. you, you kind of double-crossed yourself there. So be honest about what you're you're good at teaching and not good at teaching. If you're not good at teaching it, ask somebody else to or get people to watch a video. I mean, that, the internet is full. Uh, this YouTube thing appears, I think it's going to make it, and, and it, <laughs> it appears to be full of how-to-play video games or board games. So anyways, uh, on that note, we've got one beer left, uh, and we're on a drunk enough. Caleb, what what is that? Our five hundred and fourth beer now. Thank I will now say the number for every beer, so I no longer miss milestones. I understand that, and I've agreed to it. Thank you for apologizing to me. Nope, off the mic. Right didn't there. didn't apologize. Really at all. It was beautiful. That. Literally I threatened to kill you. It was heart Ross, you are at minimum a suspicious <laughs> witness on this. Okay, yeah. Rick, I think you know what happened here. <laughs> Tell your friends. I'm right. pleading the fifth. All right. Uh, so anyway, it was heartfelt, and I, I accept. I hate you. Um, the Mucky Duck Brewing Company's PLX IPA. Thank you, Russ. So I am going to drink this. It has another, frankly, subpar duck on it's, it. It's the same duck, is it not? Just but he's got a pirate hat on now. And a patch, an eye patch. Yeah, well, I mean, he's, he's he a is cosplaying yeah. well, but... <laughs> he's taking a drink. It's uh, It sure is that same duck, just... You know, right, he just changed. Halloween costume. Yeah. Yeah. Party Ooh, City. Yeah, that face is... Yeah, he mm. likes that it's beer. A, it's a good face. He really <laughs> likes that beer. Know. Yeah. That was yeah. that was Hank Hill's face on that, every that King like of the Hill. Damn it, Bobby. That was the punishment for Thank you. Beer. All right, that is... <clears throat> like an overly carbonated IPA. Like, it tastes mostly of bubble and bitterness. Like... I, I've never had something that tastes so sharp and effervescent at the same time as it's so, like, kind of flatly dank and watery. Like, not into mm. it. Not into it at all. <laughs> I wish I'd taken a photo of that. Oh, God, oh, man. it's not Spencer's good. Face. It's like angry champagne. Yeah, <laughs> it's like angry champagne. All right, that's horrible. selling it. Like, that sounds awesome. <laughs> that's horrible. <laughs> It's, a new, it's from Axe Body Spray. <laughs> Angry Champagne! <laughs> that is awful beer. Oh, do you have below a one? 
Oh yeah, yeah. No, that's here, a that. that's definitely a victim style. There's like t- tons of notes in there. I don't know that I can point to any one that I yeah. enjoy. Ugh, that's horrible. Well, it's because of fucking contain like industrial sized helium of container like helium something Ugh. blew up ah. in it. It's just nothing but. Damn, I'm surprised the thing didn't explode on me oh, the second I opened it. Tastes it tastes like so... I licked a balloon. Yes, it's so it, bad. Yeah, it is. Uh, yeah, that's a that's a hard Wittgenstein there. Oh. Uh, it, it's a subpar duck. It is an offensive it's a, beer. It's a yucky duck. Yeah. Hey oh, hey Caleb. Oh, I can't. Hold on. Everybody, <laughs> shut up. I need to drink something. That's fine. <laughs> Caleb, what topic are we doing? Not a high storing <laughs> episode. Thank you, Rick. Thanks for stepping in there. Uh, I think we're. Ba- I think Spencer and I are basically competing to have Rick replace the other right yeah, now. I'm winning. The, the rest I'm of winning. the podcast. Uh, so finally drunk enough. Um, and with Rick here, who seems like a high level gamer, you know Catherine, who is like a I will destroy you gamer, Uber gamer. in mini games. Um, I, I thought I asked this because I am also very bad at games. My he is my current streak uh, uh, on. Fuck those apps that keep track of your games, by the way. I don't need to be reminded of my inadequacy with like numbers and spreadsheets, but technology no, is not cooperating. Actually, re- real life story, yesterday we played eight games. I won one. And Caleb <laughs> won one, and he was so shocked to hear that he won one, his response was, are you sure? <laughs> it was an actual <laughs> moment of disbelief. Yeah, I didn't I didn't expect that to happen. Um, it was a game I taught, though, by yeah, the way, yeah. and, and no one else had played other than Sarah, yeah. who did beat me the first time I taught her to play it. Right. So I was alarmed that it happened. But um I mean we all we all lose compared to your wife who is astonishingly good at games. It's annoying. Uh but you and Sarah will eke in there occasionally. I am unheard of in the winter circle yeah. in a lot of ways. No, yeah, I'm it's terrible. Trash at games. Right. Yet I love them and I love to play them. So uh, I brought this up. It's like so what is the value of solving a game? By solving a game, I mean Game theory, attacking it, optimal move, uh, you know, probabilistically most successful strategy. Because in a lot of ways, when you experience a game that way, you have both honored your skills of your opponent the most, and you've also delved into the designer's vision in a way that is very uh, significant. Mm-hmm. You're mm-hmm. engaging in the mechanics or in even a way. Like transcending, like going beyond what yeah, the yeah, right? Yeah, things that the mechanics weren't there, emergent play, stuff yeah, like no, that. Right. But at the same time... Uh, as you said, with destroying someone in a tournament and sort of, you know, losing the luster of the tournament or killing a social experiment, trying to game theory out every turn, I've seen that slow a game to a fucking crawl, and I hate that. Uh, And then I've also seen that um, blow up what everyone else at the table is considering a social activity, the, the primary goal of Dominion for that night was not to see who won Dominion. It was to hang out and have something to do with our hands. Right. Like, uh, that's so... Dominion anyway. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah totally yeah, right. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, that's what I'm trying to say. Is What is the value of this solving a game? Because at the one hand, I do wish I was just generally smarter. I'm not. Generally smart enough to do the game theory thing. I admit I can't. Um, but um, in instances where I can do it, I understand the value of it. But at the same time, I've also seen that blow up game nights uh, with many a board gamer where it's just like, 
you know, mocking someone for not taking the optimal strategy. And I'm like, yeah, but they like that card or they wanted to do something funny. Right. Or they wanted to get their score to say 69 and giggle about it. Yeah. And we all laughed at that too. Yeah, and that's for funny. Sure. Like, it doesn't that have value at the table? Like, otherwise, right. why are we doing this? this you know, this is this, this, what you've identified as the primary reason. Well, this and money, the primary reasons that I got out of Magic the Gathering. <laughs> um, that I, and I've talked about this before, I was always much more interested in building decks that might take like, well, 15, 16, 20 turns to work. But once you got that thing cooking, that engine would be very interesting. It would be technically deep. This card would bonus, that card would bonus, that card would bonus, that card, et cetera, et cetera. And I found that interesting, and I was playing with people who would play like a red burn deck, you know, <laughs> and it was a five-turn deck. If you got three three uh, mountains out, the game was over very quickly. <laughs> yeah. And so for me, it was such a misalignment in what I wanted to do in that format that solving the game, right, winning the game as quickly as possible, which I understand is very much at the core of Magic the Gathering that approach kind of ruined what I wanted to do in Magic the Gathering. So, Well, I, I bring this up here because, like, I, we obviously know what my loser ass is on the side of in this equation. Uh, literally everyone else in my game group is better at this game theory, solve the game, find a maximal turn thing than I am. Um, and then 417 gamers, I think everyone in 417 gamers is better at than I am. It also doesn't appear to be hyper-competitive, which is something yeah, that I and think I, I really and I'm not like saying it's a bad thing. Setting. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm not erring on one side like right. those damn people that beat me. I'm not even angry. I don't get pissed off when I lose games. Right. I, like, we, we played eight of them yesterday. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, it's not like I'm going to stop doing it because I keep getting my ass kicked. Sure. I have just a good enough time. I enjoy seeing the games, how they work. It certainly hasn't stopped me from designing games. It's like, well, I don't think I've won enough, F you know, I haven't won enough games of Scythe, so I guess I'm going to have to stop publishing RPGs. Right. Like, that's yeah. never occurred to me. Um, but at the same time, like, I've never truly experienced yeah. the other side of that. Yeah, Rick, are there games that you've solved? No. No. And I have no desire to do so. When was the last time you earnestly won a, a lost a Concordia game? I lose pretty regularly. Really? Yeah. And what's that about? Because it seems like you think about that game deeply. You understand kind of the ins and outs of it. Sometimes it's board state. Sometimes it's me taking a different path to see the different paths there are to victory. You're just curious. For the longest time, we had the meta in that game that one person would play the architect card, which allows you to move around the board and build. Right. And everybody else would diplomat that card. Sure. Which allows you to, to double the effect, and then you get to take it. And for about six months, that was the meta of right. the group. That always happened whenever we played the game. Well... I changed that a couple times where if the right cards were in the trade row, I would go ahead and play the senator and grab the right cards and build the engine that way because your points come from your cards. Right. It also comes from expansion on the map, but if you don't have cards, right. you can't score you're not anything. getting points. Yeah, right. So I changed that, and then another time I saw some nice areas to get to, but I was first player. First player has enough money to build a brick city and then up to a tool city. Mm -hmm. It does not have to do have enough to build two cities where you can do cloth and something else, you don't have enough money, nor can you do wine and something else, not enough money. Um, so instead, I went Mercator, or I tried it where I prefected, got some extra resources, right. then Mercator gets some extra money, yeah. and maybe even do like a three-build turn, or, yeah. or whatever I could. Right. So I, I've played with different areas. I Some of the people that have solved certain games... So one of my favorite dudes on a map games is Kemet. It's mm -hmm. an Egyptian war game. Oh yeah, yeah. War themed game. I've not played Kemet. I really want to. Yeah. I don't want to learn Kemet. Seems like I, a lot. I, it's not that bad of a team. <clears throat> oh, okay. 
Uh, well, it's not that bad of a tease for me. I've I hear that and Cyclades are good for mm. non-war game war games. Yeah. Uh, it depends on how aggressive. If yeah. you want an aggressive game, go Kemet. Mm-hmm. If you want a little more laid back, a little more... Cyclades fills a different niche, and I can have them both just fine. Yeah. Oh, okay. Cool. Inish, the third one. Yeah. <clears throat> is in the middle, and I need to give it one more play before I decide whether I'm going to kick it out. Really great art, though, mm-hmm. on Ennis. Just looks I interesting. I like the new art better than the old art. Okay, I've not seen the old art. I've only seen the, the old new art. Stuff. Is the it looks like uh, the the bullfinches mythology? Yeah. Okay. Bright uh, swirls and colors. Yeah. And, it looked interesting for the time, but the new box art that they came out with the expansion looks yes. fantastic. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, solving a game. Right, yeah. Solving a game, I, it doesn't interest me. I yeah. mean, when you think of right. uh, no, Tic-Tac-Toe, you can, that, that game has been solved. Yeah. Do you ever want to play four. that game? Right, Period. yeah. Yeah, I, I perhaps overstated the case, but like, yeah, it, it sounds to me like when you saw the meta was that architect diplomat uh, chain, and at one point, you didn't do that, thinking it was probably not the optimal strategy to win, but wanting to see what else the game could yes. do. Oh, for sure. Well, and that's the only way I game. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, what's this do? I'm going to touch it. Like, well, I mean, I think yeah. about um, you know the other way of coming at this, which isn't maybe so absolute, right, to kind of peel some layers yeah. off. Um, so uh, once I really started to kind of like learn Scythe, and one of the valuable things to me about Scythe is um, the interaction between the player mat and the faction mat. And what the different faction abilities can allow you to do based on the player mat sitting in front of you. Um, And one of the things I started realizing is because I was just playing uh, a specific faction over and over again, it became uninteresting to me quickly because I identified an optimal strategy for that faction. I would enact that optimal strategy and then we would play sites at the table and it would not be a particularly fun game, right? I mean, you're talking 15 turns in like, okay, we know what's happening here. We're kind of done. Um, for me, the solving the game aspect, not that I've solved Scythe, um, but rather, I don't know that there's much fun in the whole bit for me in getting the thing down to something like a science and doing it over and over and over and over again. I just don't think that's interesting. Games are interesting to me precisely because they're challenging, they're thinky, there are opportunities to change strategies. Um... For me, the most interesting games are often not the ones that I win. They're the ones that I lose and then think about what I could have done four turns ago differently and all of the the, the infinite possibilities that might have played out in there that, to make things different so that I can sit down and do it again. Um, I've played Quacks of, as Rodney from Watch It Played would say, Kvedlinbog now three times. <laughs> I've never won. Um, I've always pressed my luck too far. Yeah, yeah. You are a gambling. I'm a gambling it. asshole. You got to keep game. going back to the bag. Yeah, that's right. It's it's an addiction, <laughs> um, and I will continue to because for me that is kind of the essence of that game. That you really should go as far as you can go until you run out of mathematical reasons to do so. When you have certain a certain number of chips in your bag, and you have a certain number of bad chips in your bag, as part of like that. a man who's never rolled seven critical failures in an RPG. Yeah, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. But you're also going in there against <clears throat> your poker idea that that money's already gone. Right. Yeah. Totally. So anything you add to it, right, that's gone. Don't worry about that. Yeah. Worry about what you have left. And fold based on your card, yeah. not how much money is in there. There's no protection. As- Unless yeah. you're coming in with a bluff. Right. And then, mm-hmm. and then just see what happens. Good luck. Right. Yeah. There's no um, there's no sense. And I think this is why I really struggle with poker, for example. Um, that to me, 
it's a solvable game in terms of numbers, right? I mean, there's really not a lot of guessing to be had in terms of the statistics or the odds that, that sit in front of you. Where it's not solvable is in what happens next. Um, and so for me, because I'm playing with a protection mindset, I've put money in, I want to get that money at least back, and you can't solve some of the game, I'm not interested in that. And hearing you talk about poker, Link, makes me want to open a vein. Right, so yeah, for you, sure. <laughs> you talking about solving a game, right. I'm just like, Ugh. yeah. Meanwhile, I'm like, you want to play Arabian Nights? We could end up trapped in a mirror universe with an Ifrit in your shoe. Right. No one will win. <laughs> and I'm just like, yeah. And you're just like, I would rather die. And I I'm would. like, I understand that. Because but it's funny every time. Because long enough, right? Just yeah. As much as I don't, as much as I don't really have an interest in solving a game, I do have interest in games where largely I can play my own game that I can try to solve. So let me quickly, quickly parse that. I really like Euro games where I can sit and do my own thing, and board state matters because I can adjust to board state. But really, in some ways, what you do doesn't totally affect what I do. At a minimum, I get a chance to respond, but you're not taking resources from me. You're not totally ruining my strategy, etc. I think that's where you're finding joy in like rolling rights. That's exactly like, right. Uh, because uh, at double least, so clever right. and uh, lanterns dice. And at stuff least like that. then yeah. I have a chance to try to solve it in that instance. And all of those board conditions, all of the things that I have to respond to, I, I prefer the situational attempt at finding the perfect response to this game rather than I do an objective attempt to solve a game one time and only and forever play that game. That Whereas the, the rolling rights I more gravitate to, like uh, Welcome to and, and Railroad Inc. Right. Um, they're not interactive in space that like you're affecting other players, but like I like them more than other real rolling rights because when you roll those dice and it's all roads and no train tracks or yeah, whatever right. you need in Railroad Inc. And everyone at the table goes, God damn it. Right. Ah, there's fuck. no solve. Right. Like, I, I feel like, okay, there's a social interaction here. It's, yeah. it's a thing. Like, For sure. Are welcome to when it's like all these numbers and you've had the wrong numbers come up and everybody's fucked. Like, th- and the interaction of like describing to each other how screwed you are. Like, yeah. that's what I really dig in a rolling right more than like, I, I like the individual individual playing thing but like when I, we played lanterns dice the other day i love that game i love changing the mechanics i love being clever when i do it but then it was like what was it like 2019 18 18 oh, or something like yeah it was like no it was real close uh but oh no i had a really high score in lanterns dice oh you had a real high score yeah, yeah. but i didn't know that right like yeah. i didn't know i was behind Wouldn't i didn't know i was right. catching up yeah um that's one thing quacks does because you are kind of playing your own game yes. but that that uh that rat tail catch-up mechanic is so smart. It's so smart. So smart. Uh, a built-in catch-up yeah. mechanic like that, I, I did not think I would care for it. I, I find it interesting. Um, in the moments, I want to solve the problem in front of me, but that doesn't mean I want to solve the game. Yeah. I, I felt. I feel like, and maybe I'm, maybe I'm lying, I feel like if I ever solved a game, whatever that means, I wouldn't play it anymore. Yeah. Um, Blockus is actually a good example of this. There is a strategy for solving Blockus quickly. Uh, and I found it on the internet. I watched it a few times. I tried it a few times. It ruined Blockus. I've not played Blockus in 10 years. <laughs> yeah. um, I just don't have any interest. It's not a game anymore, mm-hmm. I guess, then. Yeah. At, at that point, it's it's uh, it's what, showing off, going through the motions? I don't know. Some shit like that. Um, Rick, thanks so much for being with us. Thanks for having me. Um, this was great. It's so nice to have someone who has podcast experience, who's great on the mic, who is very in line with what we do, and who has, frankly, more board game knowledge than we do. Um, quickly for our listeners, I'd love for you to tell them where they can find more information about either the 417 Gamers or Moon City Con. We hope to buy tickets uh, from the podcast and give some of these away at our Gen Con live show. 
Uh, and if not at Gen Con, then in other places, because we'd love to have more of you here. But tell people where they can find ways to get involved. Okay, first of all, Moon City Con. MoonCityCon.com is where you can get tickets and swag. If you want a t-shirt or hat or whatever, we got those there. Uh, find more information on Facebook.com forward slash MoonCityCon. If you're ever in Southwest Missouri and you want to play some games with us, 417 Gamers, uh, go to Facebook.com forward slash 417 Gamers. Uh, we have a group page that the main site links to. Uh, join us. Ask about games. A lot of people will play just about any night. We have our two main gaming nights, Tuesdays from 6 to 10 at Springfield Brewing Company downtown. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Thursdays, 6 to 10 at Metagames Unlimited off of uh, Sunshine and 65. Um, you can find uh, face, uh, you can find Moon City Con on Twitter, at Moon City Con. You can find 417 Gamers on Instagram, at 417 Gamers. Bingo. And you can find me at Wristlock098 on Twitter and Instagram in the same places. Bingo. Look at all that info. You should definitely do it if you can make it to Moon City Con. We'll help in whatever way that we can. We'll certainly buy beer and or play games while you're here. Uh, So we'd love to see everybody out there. And if not, if you could just come out and make it for a game night. I know that we've got some local Springfield folks in the group. We'd love to meet you. We've been fortunate enough to meet Ethan that way and a couple of other Springfield uh, Mix 6 listeners. So it's been really wonderful. Thanks so much to Rick. Thanks to the 417 Gamers. Thanks to Moon City Con uh, for all of the above and much more. Uh, Thanks so much for listening. Hey, don't forget you can check us out on twitter at the mix six you can find us on facebook uh just google the mix just search for the mix six podcast we'll be on there i promise you can find us on instagram the mix six podcast or go to our website www.themixed6.com where we've got a bunch of episodes and links to our patreon site of course if you're only listening to the free stuff don't forget there's a ton of additional content including full-length episodes that you're not listening to just go to patreon.com look for the mix six podcast and you can find a lot of ways to both support the podcast and get more content thanks so much for listening again my name Spencer. I want to reiterate that I forgive you for your earlier outburst as you asked me to do when you apologized off the mic. I'm Caleb. I hate you. This was the Mix 6 Podcast. <laughs> Nevermore. <laughs>